Global supply chain and logistics industry leaders gather, connect, and exchange ideas at IHS Market's annual TPM conference organized by the JOC. In our new podcast series, Beyond TPM, we keep those conversations going, taking a deep dive into critical, rapidly evolving topics and the insights uncovered this year at TPM 21. I'm Alessandra Barrett, the JOC's Senior Editor for Special Projects. And today I'm speaking with Marcus Ryman, Senior Vice President of North American Sea Logistics for Kuhn & Nagel, and Pravinder Jahar, CEO of Bloom Global. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for having us. I'd like to start with asking you both about the enhanced partnership between Bloom and Kuhn and & Nagel that was announced in late October. Marcus, could you get us started with an overview of the synergies between the two companies and how this came about? We worked together with Bloom for, uh, I think, over five years now. So it was a trusted partner before, and we were looking for a service provider, um, a software service provider that helps us with um, first drayage in the U.S., meaning an operational system, and then expand this into Canada and Mexico. And why we picked Bloom, it's really, as everybody knows, we are traditionally a European company. And yes, we are the largest NDO in the U.S. as well. And um, But our legacy solution was uh, came from Europe and doesn't really address some of the aspects of the, of especially the U.S. trucking and drayage market. And um, knowing the partnership with Bloom and, uh, you know, that they are working with some of our carrier partners, uh, we just quickly came together and uh, sketched out a, a way how we, how we make this work. Pervinder, what are your thoughts on why it works for you both to be partnering so closely? I think... Um... If, if you look at it, you kind know, um, have to give GOC some credit because uh, our first set of discussions happened kind of at a TPM, the last TPM in 2019 or so. And then, uh, you know, we had launched Bloom kind of as a brand in 2018. Right? So, and then Kunanagal had been a customer for long before that. Uh, but, but that was with a vision of building a independent technology platform, which allows kind of the ocean carriers, drayage companies and forwarders to collaborate uh, together. And we couldn't have asked for a much better partner to kind of uh, continue to work on it than Kunanagal uh, being, uh, uh, they are the leader in the market, kind of uh, Marcus is being modest about being a European company, but we all know that in the US, Kind of Kunanagal is a strong, uh, the strongest player uh, uh, in the in the freight forwarding uh, business, uh, and uh, the there was just a melding of kind of the idea and then the direction that we were headed in, and then and what uh, Kunanagal was looking for, and it all came together, and it's been a journey for the last couple of years, but uh, are excited uh, that we have we were able to announce this partnership. We've all been talking about increased visibility, and I have a double question for you. What is uniquely important about landside visibility for shippers? And overall, what are your thoughts on the direction that this is heading? Yeah, I think two years ago, the question would be more visionary than it is now, because we are in this supply chain disruption and chaos, and you know, like the press and everybody knows about it. I even know if I call my mom, who really never was 100% sure what I was doing. She knows. Um, so I think that's kind of 
logical now for everybody, um, but I think that's a longer term trend that was already going on um, with uh, more and more e-commerce with shorter times to the end customer with raised expectations from the end customer to really have um, 24 or 48 hour delivery. I think um, there are certain parts in, in the supply chain that are pretty fixed, like, um, you know, like the ocean freight part. But there's, of course, a whole rage part where you can make a lot of decisions. And I think their enhanced visibility is an absolute need. If you don't know where your cargo is on a rail or on a truck or in a terminal, you cannot make these decisions. And these decisions will be crucial in order to create a flexibility in your supply chain. Pravinder, what are your thoughts on that landside piece? I think uh, if you look at kind of the, the ecosystem on, on ocean side, for, for, for a long time, kind of the visibility was really focused on the ocean leg. It wasn't really kind of what happens when the stuff gets into, uh, into North America or, or, or even on the origin side, about what happens kind of on your, uh, your first mile if it's an import uh, we, are, we are talking about uh, too. So I think first focusing more on the shippers, but for shippers, they traditionally have just assumed that things will work. Right. So when things were working, right, kind of it was that maybe I might be a day late on the on the late land side side, or or eventually it will just get there. And this kind of 2019 to now, we have had this rude awakening uh, that kind of it won't always be kind of a seamless, and it would always be that if the container didn't show up today, it will show up tomorrow, and I can I can plan around it uh, too. Uh, so, so I think uh, we are. The COVID was a turning point, as Marcus mentioned. Kind of, we were on this journey long before kind of that disruption uh, happened. Uh, too, uh, but going forward for the shippers, it will continue to be the focus on supply chain resiliency and agility. Right? And then, then you can't be resilient and you can't be agile if you're not transparent. And then this whole notion of visibility is, is kind of what, what makes you uh, uh, makes you plan for plan for unforeseen. And I think that's the, that's, the, that's the trend and it's here to stay. We've spoken before about the democratization of technology and how that ties in with getting more usage on the drayage side. Would you speak to that concept a little bit? And also, where do you think we go from here to achieve an even more democratic system? I think it's been, a, for me, it almost feels like it's been all my career, kind of like 20 some years back, I was talking about it for the large truckload guys, uh, when we were focused on the US domestic trucking uh, business. But if you think of drayage now, in particular, it's a very fragmented market. And so when the drayage trucking uh, companies, uh, there are very few national companies to begin with. Most of them are kind of centered around either the port areas or the metro areas. Uh, to and, and and they're relatively small, smaller than the ones kind of on the truckload side for 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 sure. That too. So on that side, kind of there was never really a focus on technology or kind of what would be an operating platform for the trucking companies. And I break it up into kind of like two segments. Uh, too. There are trucking companies, and then there are drivers or the employees kind of who actually have an experience from, from the visibility perspective too. Trucking companies being small, right? So, so kind of a first question was that of affordability. Right? So if you think of a trucking company, even with a 20 million in revenue, 
say you are spending 2% on IT or technology, but you have a lot of other expenses. Right? You have to have assets, kind of power units, you have to have employees, you have to have kind of so many other things that you don't really have that much. 2% kind of $400,000 a year. And there's not much technology that you could have really afforded kind of had that, uh, that amount to, to begin with. So what we have been focused on is kind of giving, and I, that's what I call democratization of technology, giving an operating platform to small and medium trucking companies around the world for literally no cost uh, at this point. And so so it's, it's almost that how do you give them the basic technology for free? Right? And that's kind of what the model has been in our personal lives uh, too. Right? So if you think of kind of what we use today, whether it was Skype or Zoom or Microsoft Teams or, or um, look at the social media uh, platforms uh, too, it's all accessible to everyone kind of at a almost no cost or no incremental cost, at least the, uh, uh, at least in the kind of consumer space. We're doing the same thing now on the race on the, on the side. And, uh, and at the end of the day, a lot of the visibility comes from the Drage community. Okay. It's really AJ trucking company who's making the appointment. It's really AJ driver who is either picking up a chassis, then the container and dropping off the chassis. So the focus of the technology has been kind of on, on that side uh, too. And it benefits kind of uh, all, of our, uh, all of our customers and the ecosystem system as a whole. If you can't get them to use yeah. it, then we're not gonna move the needle forward. Marcus, you spoke with our senior tech editor, Eric Johnson, in the fall, and you were quoted speaking specifically about investment in the trucking industry. And I'd like it if you could expand a little bit on something you said. The quote was, we need more people to invest in drayage and trucking. We need to work together to reset expectations so people invest in trucking capacity. What's driving that point of view? I'm worried. I'm worried for us as an industry. I'm worried for our customers that um, the current environment is not attractive enough to actually have people invest and start trucking businesses because it's we are competing against other other forms of employment, especially in a tight labor market like we have now. Um, I think it's a responsibility of the industry to be attractive to <laughs> to to attract uh, additional investment. And um, I think one part is what I talk about reset expectations. I think in the past, this was like the last thought was a drayage part mm -hmm. and what uh, was very procurement driven. And, you know, like, um, I think that's something we need to address and hopefully we can work together. Um, then um, work in a way that, you know, like, and uh, Pavinda talked about this. Some of these drainage providers are owner operators. They cannot survive on one turn a day. It's just, that's for $250 a local LA dray. You will not be able to pay your truck and everything. So how can we work together on the technology part? And that's what Pavinda mentioned, but also perhaps um, we need to have a broader approach um, with our customers, with the carriers, with our competitors to really address some of this and really make this a more attractive industry for future truckers because um, automated trucks are still a couple of years away the last time I looked. I don't know. Um, so we will be in this for a little bit and consumer spending and rage will not go away. So we need to address it as an industry. 
When you both think about that driver piece, the user experience, is there a topic that isn't being talked about widely enough? What is the area where improvements could be made to really impact the driver experience? I think um, maybe kind of if, if, if I step back and then talk about technology and its adoption, right? and then I almost want to go back kind of a few years back, what, what had happened that it's very easy for someone to create something as simple like an app and talk about that kind of a, we can have a driver have an app from from every large shipper wanted to do their own app every kind of ocean carriers wanted to do their own app and every kind of freight forwarders excluding kunanagal which we were working with but many of them wanted to do their own app too and if you think of that driver who's going to do the moves for multiple kind of customers in the same day kind of the the technology part had just become that let's just give them another app right and eventually you end up with that no one really was looking at kind of driver's voice that how am i going to go figure out which app to go use right so you almost needed an app to go find an app right and i literally have had some drivers show me kind of that how many apps they ended up with and then they can't figure out that which move am I doing. So, so I think part of that adoption uh, kind of uh, an age that how do you make it easy? And I call it that how do you make it second nature for driver, driver to be able to just do their job, right? Make sure that they are being productive and then technology is actually helping them versus hurting. So sometimes what, what uh, we have all seen that some that the all well-intentioned technology kind of sometimes has the counterproductive uh, nature kind of when it comes to the end user right so, so one thing i would say that kind of we have been focused on designing it with the user in mind and not necessarily that kind of uh, and everything that user and in this case the driver does not only what they do for one kind of one job for another job to another job and how do you how do you make it easy for them marcus what are your thoughts on that I would even go a little bit further because terminals are already frustrating because of all kinds of infrastructure problems for the drivers. But I think also with the customer and, you know, having updated delivery windows, better ETAs, so the customer is ready and, you know, we don't add additional waiting time. That's what I mean also with making it more attractive for, for the drayage industry in really trying to also optimize and don't see that as the last step that is, you know, just to be forgotten. And I think there's all, there's parts on the customer side, on the delivery point and on the pickup point where we can do a better job and really help those drivers. What advice do you have for the hundreds if not thousands of shippers out there struggling with numerous supply chain disruptions? Pravinder, let's start with you. Sure. I think um, for, for me, kind of one has been uh, that this crisis that we are going through, right? Don't treat this as a one-time issue. It's, it's a, we have to do the best possible job and every shipper is trying their best and kind of every freight forwarder and ocean carrier and brake carrier is doing their best given the circumstances. Uh, and then eventually it will pass, even though it feels like that will never, never pass, but eventually we'll come out of, come out of it. Uh, but um, but it's been a lesson kind of in terms of uh, what we need to be prepared for and all these discussions on how we design our supply chains how agile are they right uh, even something as simple as kind of being able to move from one kind of port 
terminal to another port area, it is hard for shippers because these are just hardwired supply chains. So how do we kind of become more agile, more flexible, more resilient? It is going to be going to be the key uh, moving moving forward. Uh, so so my advice would be kind of use this edge, not that kind of this won't happen again and this kind of will 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 pass, but use it that it's not a matter of if it will happen again something similar it might not look exactly the same but it's a matter of time before it happens again and then then hopefully by that time we would have learned kind of all of our all of our lessons and incorporated it into our supply chain designs and uh, and uh, to do resiliency to do that supply chain design to be able to react or plan you need transparency and that's kind of where visibility becomes the foundation for you to be able to kind of redesign your supply chains. Marcus, what are your thoughts? Because one thing that I think bears mentioning is that it's not like we weren't talking about transparency and visibility and flexibility. We were talking about those things before the pandemic. So what's your advice on taking this farther? Yeah, first, before I go into this, I want to have a shout out to everybody in the industry, regardless of on our side, on the carrier side, or on the customer side, I know how hard everybody is working, how stressful it is, how the internal pressure from in companies is like uh, driving this into a very difficult communication sometimes. And, um, and I think it's very important to keep in mind, and I don't want to sound um, like as this is, you know, like I want to put it away, but don't focus on things you cannot control. We cannot control the 50 vessels in front of LA. And, uh, you know, like, and if you have trouble explaining this to people within your company, reach out to specialists and have them support you and make sure that there's as much communication as, as you get. Because while there's a lot of communication in the media right now, in the big media, it's very general and there are a lot of simple solutions being presented that really don't help and will not don't help at least in the short run right long term is a little bit different story so seek help concentrate on things you can control i think and then um be flexible um don't put everything into and it's also i don't want to sound like this is like so amazing because it's not um it's just very straightforward don't use only la try to um um, be flexible with your supply chain, use different ports, uh, use different services. Um, make sure you are, you are unloading stuff as fast as you can when, once you get it, stuff like that. So I, um, I hear everybody, but I think the good thing that will come out of this, that this is not a, especially on the land side, and that's what we are talking about, Rage, will not be a side, side conversation anymore. There will be really effort and really making this sustainable and improve for everybody. And I think that's all our goal. And if that's even just one piece that comes out of this, then it's certainly a step forward. I want to thank you both again for taking the time to coordinate schedules and come together with me for this conversation. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Beyond TPM is a production of the JOC, part of the Maritime and Trade Division of IHS Market. For more news, analysis, and business intelligence for all things shipping and logistics, visit JOC.com and follow us on social media.